everybody. Yep. Uh, welcome to another episode of, uh, you know, DFV Double Feature Versus. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That is uh, your co-host, Brad, right there. And uh, this is one that Brad's been asking me uh, for, to do for a long time. Uh, he he made sure it stayed on the schedule. He says, all right, look, look, we can postpone things around with the strike, but we need to do this. <laughs> Uh, this is our special Jack Black episode where we're uh, we're doing uh, the School of Rock versus Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Yes. So basically, two of uh, Jack Black's most prominent movies that he is known for here. And uh, what better time to do them than on Jack Black's birthday itself? Because nice. I- I'm a huge fan of Jack Black. I know that you're. You don't hate him, but you're definitely not on the same level of a fan as I am. <laughs> I think he's fine. Right. So <laughs> my point exactly. And yeah, so every time like Jack Black gets cast in anything, I, I get excited about it. Like when he was picked up for the role of Bowser, I was excited for that casting. He is going to be Claptrap in the upcoming Borderlands movie. I'm excited for that. So even like when Jumanji was getting rebooted and everybody was like, oh, man, I can't believe they're going to reboot Jumanji. And when they announced that Jack Black was on the cast, I was like, OK, it's in good hands. I'm I'm not as worried about this movie anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know you're uh, you're a big Jack Black fan so much. You, I know you probably already, already got the song Peaches uh, memorized by now. Yeah, it's uh, it took me a couple listens, but I think I finally got all the lyrics. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, uh, we I, I, I want to just head into it because these are uh, two movies here. You know, one movie is a film. I uh, it, it pretty much means a lot. It, it's pretty much nostalgic for me. It's a, it's a great film to me. Another film, you know, uh, it's is a film. And we'll, we'll first time you watched it, I assume. Uh, yeah. Okay. Any other yep. time, I just I just wouldn't <laughs> come across this. But uh, yeah, let's just kind of get into it, man. Uh, so you know, I, I know how we feel about this. Chronological is very uh detestable. But I feel like in this one, it just works. It, it just works to start off with the School of Rock here. Yeah, I think uh, since we're talking about School of Rock and the pick of Destiny, it starting with School mm-hmm. of Rock just works out. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that being said, we're going to start off with the School of Rock, um, you know, directed by Richard Linklater, uh, you know, um, uh, a directing legend uh, and starring Jack Black. You know, Jack Black plays a uh, struggling you know, rock guitarist named Dewey Finn. Uh, he's a slacker. All he cares about in his life is rock. And, you know, like, you know, just trying to just rock out. That's that's the that's literally what his purpose in life is. He wants to rock out and uh, just just be all in rock and roll glory. Um, you know, he lives with his uh, best friend uh, who is pressure, uh, who is a substitute teacher, uh, you know, Ned. And you got Ned's, uh, you know, annoying girlfriend, Patty, played by Sarah Silverman. Ned, played by Mike White, who wrote the script, you know, they need uh, Dewey to pay the rent or he needs or he's going to have to move out. So one day, uh, Dewey, unemployed, gets a call from someone uh, thinking that he's uh, Ned, 
his uh, substitute teacher's friend. They say, hey, we got a gig for you. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll pay you if you if you uh, substitute our at our prestigious school. Uh, Dewey, being the idiot that he is, uh, commits identity theft and says, sure, I'll come. You know, so uh, he comes and he uh, substitutes for the class. And, um, you know, he, he treats it as kind of like a nothing job, just sitting there doing pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day he hears the class in music class. And oh, let me back up a little bit here. Uh, Dewey was originally with a band. But because of a very over the top performance he gave, the band kicks him out because he's like the he's like the le- the least critically favorite person in the band, and so we got an upcoming battle of the band's um, competition that's happening. So cut to Dewey hears the class in uh, in their music class, and he decides, oh wait, I'm gonna do something genius and turn this class that I'm substituting uh, for under a fake identity into uh, my rock band. Uh, there begins the plot of School of Rock He's, as he tries to turn this prestigious, like, you know, uppity class into a rock band. Yeah, this and, prep uh, school where the parents are paying, was it $1,500 a month for their children to be able to attend to it? So it's not $15, exactly... $15,000 a year. 15000 a year, like okay, yeah. yeah but, like yeah, so it's not exactly a run-of-the-mill school this is a high-class establishment that he's taking the kids out because they're learning classical music in their Mm -hmm. music class so they're on like piano they're doing cello all that and he's basically transitioning it to you know i love how he goes have you ever played keyboard before He's like, no, I, I play piano. He's like, ah, it's like the same thing. I want you to give me right. like a, you know, G, 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 you know, and going through mm-hmm. like that. And I, I love how they continually show Dewey's kind of musical touch because he's able to basically key into the abilities of these kids and give them these perfect like kind of notes to play that they're able to do or teach them how to do. And his love for music kind of really shows throughout the entire thing. And of course, yeah. Jack Black in that role with his love of music, it was like perfectly cast for him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I got to say like, first of all, the concept alone, like the high concept of it is like you, you kind of miss old school comedies like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, um, a rock and roller uh, comes to a, a prestigious prep school class and tries to turn them into a band. That's so high concept for a comedy. Like you, you miss comedies like that instead of the ones you got nowadays that just, I don't know. They just don't have that same kind of like, like a, uh, like outrageous concept. Like what? That'll never work. And you go see the film to see how it plays out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think so, like most you, school comedies either follow the high school musical route where it's just very aimed toward kids or it goes like the right. super bad route where it's just aimed toward the kind of like, or, yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't feel like that's I think I don't I don't feel like that's always very bad in terms of story, but that's very bad in terms of like kids doing very bad things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. But yeah, I I could see a film like this being produced by John Hughes back in the '90s if it was made back in the '90s. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's what I mean by it. like it's so great. Um, but yeah, man, Jack Black, dude. When I think of a, a Jack Black performance, I gotta say top three. 
I ain't gonna go top five. Top three is um School of Rock, and that may maybe at number one to be honest, because this is like such a great performance from him. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you said, like it's it's his uh it's his energy, you know, it's his um his humor. Like he just owns the film, you know what I mean? Like in uh you could say it's like his character, like it's like the thing with the with the um the lady who played the cello, and he says. Okay, here, take this guitar. It's the same thing. Just focus on the G. You know, like the way he plays that out, it's like he's teaching them through his very, like, energetic ways. He's becoming a teacher without even knowing he's a real teacher. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, Jack Black just, like, embodies that role so well. Oh, absolutely. This is, like, one of those roles that if somebody came out and was like, actually, this wasn't a planned movie. We just caught Jack Black sneaking into a school and we decided to record it and see what would happen. I'd be like, yeah, I could see that 100% because he is just so in the role that he melds into Dewey. It's not Jack Black playing Dewey. It is Jack Black is in a classroom with these students, turning them into a rock band. I ain't gonna lie to you. Until I started talking about the synopsis, I forgot his name was Dewey. I was just gonna call him Jack because <laughs> I'm like, this is Jack Black. This isn't Dewey Finn or whatever right. name you're giving him. This is Jack Black playing a playing a fictional version of Jack Black. Um, yeah. But yeah, I uh, I wanted to say Richard Linklater, you know, who's known for films such as uh, you know Boyhood, Dazed and Confused, the Before trilogy. You can even tell in some direction. Like, there are some pretty nice long shots in this film mm-hmm. of Jack Black, you know, teaching the kids, inspiring them in certain scenes where I'm like, that was actually very well, that was actually very well shot. You yeah. know, like, um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, in, uh, go ahead. Yeah, this isn't a movie where you notice the cinematography, but there are some scenes where he is, you have that panning shot of him walking through the classroom as he's walking to the different groups of students and everything like that. And it's done as like a one shot kind of thing of him just going through. And yeah, it's a comedy. It's goofy and everything. But yeah, some of the cinematography in this makes you realize, okay, yeah, there's an experienced director behind the camera of this movie that's just making me belly chuckle throughout. Yeah, and, and you know Mike White, right? Who is um, you know, getting a lot of acclaim now for the White Lotus on HBO. You know, he's he's been writing a long time, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, he wrote the script, and the script is funny too. You could tell Jack Black, Jack Black puts his own umph on it. But you know, this has like some great jokes in here. Like like I love one of the fir- one of the first funniest jokes in the film. He's in the class. And he's like uh, he 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 makes a statement about look, I uh I got I got a I does anyone know what a hangover is? Oh, it means you're drunk. It says, no, it means I was drunk. <laughs> it means and I was drunk ki- yesterday. <laughs> right. And then the kid says, sir, you're an alcoholic. If you weren't, you wouldn't have came in here hungover. Dude, you got a disease. <laughs> <laughs> the way he delivers that line is so genius. Like, dude, you got a disease. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I will say, like, for child actors and everything like that, Oh man! Usually movies are hit or miss. This one's hit on every single child actor that's in here. And it's no surprise that one of them, uh, Miranda Cosgrove, went on to Mm -hmm. become one of the biggest like TV personalities for Nickelodeon during the era following this movie. Dude, I was going to say she's such a natural talent because when you look at her in this film and then even look at her today with the iCarly revival, She's just naturally funny. Like, she Mm -hmm. just has, like, a natural charisma ever since she was a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because it was this, then she was on 
I can't remember if Drake and Josh came before this or not. Uh, it came after. It came after? Okay. Because, yeah, she was on that, and then she got her own show and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, a, she's a natural talent. You know, like, um, I wish I could see her more, but I can understand how she, you know, she took a step away from Hollywood for a minute. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Miranda Costco was great. All the kids are great. Um, everyone is great in this, dude. Like, I... um. When I first saw this film, I forgot that Joan Cusack was in this as the principal. <laughs> and, you know, she's great. It's like this stickler that, you know, once uh, once Dewey kind of like takes her out, right, you know, for a few drinks and puts on some Stevie Nicks, you kind of see like even like some more depth to her character. Like, you know, I got to be a hard ass because these parents, you know, they'll they'll look at you as weak and they complain all the time. And I'm like, I just love the way these characters are written. Oh, yeah. It. it- definitely like helps that you have this absurd plot but you do have some characters that use logic and some characters that like use their own internal logic like his roommate Mm. is very nonchalant about everything and when he finds Mm. out that dewey's been literally stealing his identity he just kind of goes man that's that's not cool man you shouldn't be doing that what why are you doing that for Right. And then you have his girlfriend, played by Sarah Silverman, that is just all up in his business about it. Like, that is breaking the law. You can't be doing that. That is literally, you know, identity theft. And yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It, it kind of it is. It kind of is. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, I know you're the protagonist in this movie, but you, you oh, literally yeah. committed identity theft. Right. You know, it, not only that, but he committed identity theft and put his friend's name at risk because he knew that he couldn't teach a class. He he came into it for the money and literally only happened to find out that they could do some kind of music and was like, oh, I can use this even more to my advantage now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I um, I wanted to say something that, uh, you know, uh. I don't know, what was I about to say? Oh, so in the end, I love that when he's finally caught and the policeman's like, uh, sir, can you step outside? He says every he says to the parents, Listen, listen, I have been uh very touched by your kids, and I'm sure I've touched them too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the way yeah. everyone just pauses, like, what? <laughs> Worst phrasing possible. And right. yeah, it hits exactly how it's supposed to, with the parents freaking out. And I even love the scene like following that after like it's the following day and all the parents are like in the principal's office yelling at her and being like, how could you let this happen? And she's like, look, we did everything in our power to know. So you did a background check. Well, we did everything in our power to know right. and mm-hmm. just completely. And then, of course, the kids run off. And her just coming back into the office and just being like, just so you all know, all your kids are missing and we have no idea where they are. And <laughs> and then they just erupt. It's mm. like, OK, that's the realism right here. That's the the parents that absolutely would do this. And even talking about the parents a little bit with the ways that they interact with their kids. And we get a little bit of that with the lead guitarist and his father we kind of see that happen a little bit in the parking lot and Mm. how basically being that they're in this prep school and everything their parents are very strict 
and they're not really given the freedom. I love how even the kid that ends up being the drummer in the band, his uh, parents are kind of complaining, like, how he changed his clothing. He started, you know, acting differently ever since you came here and started being a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it, it's it's a very well made comedy. I, I think um, you know when I first saw this film, it was in theaters. Uh, you know, my mom knew that I really wanted to see it. We we came a little late. It, we came around. I I remember it vividly. We came in around the time where he first started teaching the class, and then you know um, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but when you see like a very popular movie and you miss like the opening credits and you're just sitting there steamed while your parents are just trying to get through the day, like okay, let's watch the movie so we can mm-hmm. go home. You know, I was a little steamed that we missed the opening, but um, you know, when we went to see this film, I I I liked it, man. Even as a kid, I liked it, even with some bad words in it. You know, even my mom kind of had a good time, and uh, revisiting it today, it um, it aged pretty well. Like I feel like it's a it's a pretty solid movie. You know, mm. there are some scenes here and there I kind of go, I don't know about that punchline, but <laughs> you know, overall, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it definitely still stands up today. And, you know, I I know you have the same feeling of this one as I do. It's very nostalgic watching this movie again and being like, oh, I remember that. I remember this kind of stuff. But so much of it that you don't really remember as much. You know, you remember Mm -hmm. that end scene with them at the Battle of the Bands. You remember him like trying to get them to start playing the instruments. You you remember, you know, Miranda Cosgrove's character being like, I am not going to be a groupie. I looked up what that was yesterday. <laughs> you know, like that's, those- that's the, that's the punchline that made me wince. Like, right. ah, <laughs> I don't know about that one, but okay. But, but, yeah, uh, it, it definitely is a whole, it holds up very well that this kind of script would get through today. And, go through and be just as classic of a movie if it was made today. Yeah, like uh the one scene I remembered was uh when Tamika, you know, came to Dewey and said, Hey, you know I can sing. He mm-hmm. was like, Oh, you can sing? Go ahead and sing for me. And she she's like belts out this beautiful like voice and he goes, Oh my goodness, that was amazing. He says, Okay, you're gonna take Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and you're gonna listen to the vocal solo on Great Gig in the Sky. Yeah. You know, Back then, I didn't know what Pink Floyd was. Now that I know that album, I says, you know what? That's a perfect song for her to study. Like, you know, I kind of get more of the musical jokes now. Yeah, that that's one thing that I will definitely say is I don't know the last time that I saw this, but I don't remember getting the musical jokes. But this one, like I understood when he was like handing out the CDs and going, you're going to want to listen to this track and you're going to love this solo. Listen to this. And it's like. That is literally the best advice that he could be giving these kids for these instruments. He's he's giving them the pinnacle experience of being a rock star for these different bands and everything. And I, I need to find like a screenshot or a breakdown of his board where he has like all the different genres of music and he's breaking it down different bands and everything. Because even in that quick second that it goes through, it's like, OK, I recognized a lot of those and others. I couldn't tell if I just didn't know the band names or if it just went by so fast that I didn't kind of get a chance to go through them. Because, like, obviously, I noticed, like, Ramones on punk because I've listened to them, you know, pretty religiously throughout my life. So seeing them Mm. on there, it's like, okay, 
there's they there's where they are you know acdc is on there and everything so i need to see if i can find a screenshot of that and maybe like get introduced to to some bands that i'd never even heard of mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure and um i was trying to think of what else i was gonna say i vaguely remembered the last battle uh, well, the the final battle in the end when I when I rewatched this uh, after a long time, but uh, I like the final. I love the uh, the final performance. It got to the point where I forgot they lost. When they lost, even I was like, I don't understand. They they gave a great performance. Why did they lose? Like you know. But I want to know. So it really doesn't matter. But for plot's sake, who decides the winner? Was it the judges? I think it was the judges oh, that decided the winner. Of course, it would be. They're the, they're the judges, of course. Yeah. I answer my own question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who who keeps the score? Is it the scorekeeper or is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, overall, man, yeah, it's it's still a good uh, film that holds up. I, I think it's very well made. Um, I give it a 4.5. Oh, yeah. This one's a 4.5 easily in my books as well. It. Avi, it's not a 5.0 movie. It's very close to it, though, because when you have the talented cast and everything that's behind this, the writing is on top, the music is on top. It's a great family movie that holds extremely strong even now, like 20 years later. It's because it came out October of 2003. So, yeah, it's almost been 20 years since this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where we're at with this one. So uh moving on. That brings us to Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Once again, starring the amazing Jack Black as Jables, and joined this time by the other half of Tenacious D, Kyle Gass, playing the role of uh Cage or KG for short. We follow the story of the band getting formed as a young Jack Black or a young Jables leaves his house in order to find the perfect bandmate for him after being sent on a quest by Dio himself. He runs into Hollywood where he meets Cage and it's going to throw me off trying to say their uh, names inside the movie, but yeah, he (laughs) runs into Cage and they, after a while, they finally hit it off and decide to become the perfect rock band named Tenacious D. Following this, they realize that the way that they can guarantee their stardom into rock is to find what is known as the Pick of Destiny, a pick that was formed from the tooth of the of Satan himself that is capable of bringing the most awesome of rock to any who use it. And... That is basically the synopsis of this movie as, yeah, these two people try and find the pick of destiny. Yeah, man, Um, I I just want to say, man, the way you were describing that plot, you know, I just so for people who are listening, uh, if you haven't watched this, I mean, just throw logic out the window. Spoilers don't matter. Mm -hmm. But the way you were describing that plot, I go, dude. Even you describing this plot shows how stupid this movie is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this is definitely a stoner comedy headed up by Tenacious D, you know, Jack Black and Kyle Gass. 
And it's actually directed by uh, Liam Lynch, who did the songwriting for School of Rock. So, you know, he definitely has worked with Jack Black before and everything like that. And seeing him direct this movie and everything kind of just feels like a right direction. And yeah, when it comes to the directing in this movie, the directing is good. It, it has its, you know, high points and everything like that. It's just this movie, I think its biggest problem, even if it's me, a fan of this movie, I can see it is a mess, you know, story-wise. It does not hang on any notes long enough for you to be able to, like, grasp what's going on, because it's a parody of itself, almost, where you have... Jack Black's character Jables kind of going on the run and he's homeless for a little bit. And one of the jokes is having like a clockwork orange style gang uh, come and beat him up in order for Cage to come save him after they've already left. And for them to then have this, you know, Mr. Miyagi karate kid kind of relationship of Cage teaching Jables how to get ready to rock on the stage and create this amazing band that he has prepared. It, it It's a parody of itself, you know, throughout. It's just making fun of the idea that Tenacious D is making a movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I gotta say, this is what fame... Listen, this is what clout in Hollywood can get you, because with a terrific performance such as what we saw from School of Rock, you can parlay that into whatever this is. Uh, (laughs) Because from what I heard, Jack Black, and you know, this this is this proves that he's the homie, especially with uh, with his boy, um, you know, his uh, uh, partner in crime, Kyle Gass. Yeah, because I want to be respectful to Kyle. You know, it proves that he's um, he's a great friend because he agreed to take a pay cut from his standard, like you know. $12 $12 million fee to $1 million, uh, that's believed to be uh, shared between him and Gas to make this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a true friend there, and that's someone that believes in the vision of, um, you know, this band. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, I just... <laughs> this film did have some, uh, have some laughable moments to me, but, you know, all the jokes about, you know, Satan and you know, I mean, like, uh, him as a kid rocking out. Like, I was like, all right, I, I guess this is music. So, you know how, I, you know how I just love musicals. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, man, let me just see this to the end and see where this is going. But you know, I don't know, man. I, I just the, tenacious D as a whole is not really my jam. Like, I, I like some joke music. I like Lonely Island. Lil Dicky is okay sometimes, you know, but I don't know, man. So is this like, is this how their music is for real? It's a little bit like during their early days and everything like that. This movie can be best described as the brain behind their music videos and trying to create a cohesive story between their songs and creating songs that try and create that kind of bind between the songs because yeah this the songs in this movie like kickapoo is 100 a tenacious d kind of song that you would hear it falls in line with their other songs that they would later come out with like rise of the phoenix death star and everything 
So it's not like this movie, the songs in it are like outside of their norm, but it kind of comes from the fact that prior to this, they had their own TV show that ran on HBO that basically was a broadcast of their music videos and little skits around their music videos. You know, like this is a tribute or a tribute which uh, the song of like, this is not the greatest song in the world. This is just a tribute. It it, mm. it plays a lot like that, where it's they had music videos and they had some songs and they were like, well, what if we turned it into a movie? And it, it just doesn't quite work that well. But on their own, the songs aren't bad. They're very much Tenacious D's flavor. So let me ask you something. Um, just 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 sincere question. You yourself have has have used your hard earned money to buy an album by these people with these songs on the album. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. That's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say I do have uh, all three of. Well, no, I have two of Tenacious D's albums in physical form. And then their more recent one, Rise of the Phoenix, I did buy off of uh, Amazon Music. Hey, listen, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I absolutely love Tenacious D. I, you know, Jack Black's uh, musical ability is there. (laughs) Yes, it's comedy, rock. You know, it's not for everybody. But yeah, I love it. Hey, man, I, I, hey, you love what you love. Listen, I like Jack Black's comedy as well. Uh, It's just, you know, the music thing is great. Not his musical part. (laughs) I, I mean, yeah, listen, there are, there are some moments like I like Sax Man with the Lonely Island. I think that's a great song. Peaches was, you know, he just, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not the biggest Jack Black musician fan. I, I like him as a comedian or as a, com- a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, so so this film, I like the Clockwork Orange scene. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um you know, there, there, there's some scenes in here that, you know, get, gave me quite a chuckle. A lot of it was kind of like just me kind of smiling, but not really like laughing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, dude, I just I, I couldn't get with this, man. See, I can understand that because even watching this movie, it is a little bit rough on the edges. Like, I love Tenacious mm-hmm. D. I love Jack Black. I love Kyle Gass. I love their work that they've done and everything like that. I, I can still watch this movie and go, yeah, this this is a rough part right here. Uh, basically, the entire scene when they're in the Museum of Rock is one of the points where I'm like, OK, this is this is where the movie kind of loses me a little bit. Like as great as Jack Black's acting is and his like physical comedy. Oh, yeah. Him running through like the lasers and everything is kind of where I go. Okay, you're you're losing me here. It's I'm sorry. I love you, Jack Black. I do, but <laughs> I I gotta admit the scene where he's trying to grow an erection to push the button kind of oh, had yeah. me laughing a little bit. That had me laughing. Like that was pretty funny. But um, you know, I, I wanted to say, yeah, dude, the whole sequence with him being on, I don't know if it was shrooms. Yeah, it was shrooms. Oh, the Bigfoot little... sequence with uh John C. Riley as Bigfoot. Yeah, that was just dumb. I just I couldn't at that point. I was like, all right, man, where's how how long? How long is this bit? Yeah, I see John C. Riley. How long is the bit? You know, um, Ben Stiller had, had a pretty solid cameo. I liked oh, yeah. him as um, 
the guitar center guy. Uh, Tim Robbins, I don't know what he was doing as the the stranger dude. Like, even when he was like, uh, what do you say? Uh, get over here right now. And he had the knife. Yeah. He said, dude, we come can over totally here so I can stab him. you. <laughs> right. And he like, dude, we could totally outrun him. He's like, get over here. <laughs> I was like, this is so stupid. It, uh, it is. It is stupid. It is. Like I said at the start, this is a stoner comedy. It has that very stupid sense of humor about it that you'd get from like a Harold and Kumar kind of movie where well, Harold and Kumar is funnier to, to be clear. Harold and Kumar works better, but it's the same kind of like joke propositions that this movie right, plays right. off of like stoner comedy kind of like its style of telling jokes and setting up scenes and everything like that. You know, I ain't gonna let you say that. It doesn't just work better. It's a funnier movie. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, I need I need you to say that. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it that is the kind of like setup that this movie has, and that's where its comedy comes from and everything like that. Which yes, in some scenes it works, some scenes it doesn't, and you know it like you mentioned the Sasquatch stuff and everything. That just goes on a little bit too long. You know, at first, it's kind of funny seeing, like, him trying to, you know, enact this, and it hypercuts to, like, reality where he's, like, pretty much drowning in the river and back to him, like, floating on the river and being like, oh, this is the greatest time of my life. It it goes on a little long, but it does have some funny moments in it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I I got you, man. It's just... It just... uh, It dragged on for me. And like the whole thing where Kyle went with the with the the hot chicks to to rock out, and I'm like, dude, because at first I thought they were gonna prank him. Like I thought mm-hmm. the, the the cute chicks were trying to prank him, but they actually wanted him to come because they they thought he was a rocker. I was like, okay, this is where the bit has lost me. Right. And then when he actually goes on stage and bombs, you know, everyone says boo, but it's like, dude, <laughs> I, I I guess this was just trying to make it. I guess at some point they said, okay. This film is only at 80 minutes right now. Let's let's add some filler so we can get to 94 minutes. So we're just going to put Kyle on a little bit of like a sideways mission mm-hmm. with some hot chicks to go to a frat party and get booed. Okay, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Yeah. I, I, come on. Like I said, it's literally... I'm willing to bet that they had a bunch of songs written and mm-hmm. they're like, well, we could do another season of the HBO show or we could make a movie because Jack Black has movie power now. So they could make a tenacious D movie, which would be really cool. And that's kind of where they win is they made music videos for these songs that they had and then created a story to kind of go between them because they have like Dave Grawl play Satan in probably one of you know the best songs in the movie toward the end yeah i i hear you <laughs> I, I hear you listen i'll say this um i will give credit where credit's due i do believe that there is creativity in the direction of this film like i feel like it, it, it's directed solidly by liam lynch um I, i'll give i'll give no notes for creativity <laughs> but yeah, man. I by the whole point that they got into the whole battle with Satan, I was just kind of checked out. Mm. I was like, "This is still going, huh?" You know, I 
I was checked out, man. I got to be honest with you. I mean, I, I watched it to the end uh, fairly, but I. just not your kind of movie at all i mean granted if you're not into tenacious d's music the music in this is the high point of the movie because it is 100 tenacious d's music that happens to be in a movie so it's kind of like if you're not a fan of the lonely island going into pop star never stop never stopping you're probably not going to walk away from that movie going oh i like that because it's literally just a bunch of Lonely Island style songs is where a lot of the humor comes from. And then they play off right. of that with other kind of inside jokes for the music industry that if you're paying attention, you'll get those jokes. But if you're not, they're going to go over your head and you're just going to go like, that was some stupid dialogue. You know, this one is making fun of movies, making fun of parodies. Also, it is filled with a bunch of Tenacious D songs. I slightly disagree with that. I would say pop star never stop, never stopping. Like, I feel like you wouldn't have to be a Lonely Island fan to enjoy that movie. I feel like, you know, even being even if you're not an Andy Samberg fan, I feel like you would catch on to the joke. Like, because I, I, I didn't feel like there were a lot of Lonely Island inside jokes in that movie. No, I and, mean, like inside jokes to like the movie in, or not the movie, the music industry. OK, like, if yeah, you don't but, know who the bands like 30 Seconds to Mars are, you're not going to be laughing at the look i have been through this with you 30 seconds to mars is the name of a band not a sequence of time travel but i feel like i would put that movie kind of on the we actually did an episode on it i would Mm -hmm. put that movie on the same level as a this is spinal tap you you kind of don't have to be familiar with rock and roll to get to kind of get the humor of the movie you know what i'm saying like with this, I feel like you got to be a Tenacious D fan to like this movie. Uh, you know, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody can like this movie and not know a single thing about Jack Black or, you know, um, or Kyle. Uh, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, you, you could be you could, you could be different. But I feel like with this is just, yeah, you got to be a TD fan. Yeah, I, I can 100% agree with that. If, if you're not already a fan of Tenacious D and their style of humor and their songs and everything like that, yeah, you're not going to walk out of this movie going, oh, my God, I finally get it now. You're going to probably walk out like you did, where it's like, OK, that that movie's over now. <laughs> yeah, dude, listen, I'm willing to give stuff a chance, you know, as part of being a cinephile. I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. Um, but yeah, man, it just uh, it, went, it wasn't really for me, man. So. I, it's a lowbrow concept movie, which is fine. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I feel like New Line does good at high concept and low concept when it comes to comedies. So, you know, it's a film that, you know, they swung for the fences and they 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 did what they set out to do, which was to make a Tenacious D film. I, I feel like they, they did what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You if know? you're looking for a long form kind of Tenacious D movie... this is it like if you loved the hbo show which i still laugh when people who are huge fans of tenacious d find out for the first time there was an hbo show it's like do you remember all the music videos from their early days yeah that's from the show (laughs) they they didn't just make that in their garage they had hbo budget on those you know music videos oh what was the um See, when you say HBO show and you talk music, I'm thinking of, uh, what is it, Flight of the Concords? Because mm-hmm. that's the only HBO musical show I know. 
Yeah, nothing like that. It was literally just, you know, their music videos and everything in a short form factor. It uh, I think it was literally just called Tenacious D. I don't even think the show had a subtitle or anything else on it. Oh, wow. I see it right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Tenacious D TV. Yeah. Because uh, it it was literally just, you know, a a couple songs in everything like that. Mm, Okay. Yeah. It looks like only had three episodes. Um, Okay. I got you. Yes. Three episodes too many. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, all right, man, I, I, i'll stop with the hating i just it's just not my jam but uh <laughs> trying look, to hurt man, my I, feelings here and i can tell <laughs> no no if you're a td fan this movie is for you for sure mm-hmm. um if you're a rock and roll fan you know you, you you could probably get jiggy with it you know what i mean uh yeah i i, I for the cre- i like the creativity in it but i just don't think it's enough to save it in my eyes um Look, I ain't, I ain't trying to hurt you, all right? But this is a one point five to me. Oh, oh man! This was this was bad, man. This was really bad. I I just I couldn't get into it. Oh, this one's a three point five to me. It it basically for oh. a tenacious D oh. movie. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I I let you slide with a three. You said point five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, as a Tenacious D movie, it, it does everything that I expected to do, but it, some of it, it does not do as well as it should have. <laughs> I, I will fully admit, like it is not to somebody that is not a fan of Tenacious D. I can see where you're not coming into this movie and going, oh, yeah, I, I completely changed my mind. Everything about this is, you know, I was wrong about them. But, uh, yeah, at the same time, I wanted to throw this one at you because I knew that this was going to be basically the pinnacle of, like, Jack Black's singing career into a movie where, yeah, if you're not a fan of his singing, you're not going to like this movie. On top of it, I knew it was a musical. And on top of that, it was one of those, like, cult kind of following movies that has a very specific fan base behind it and everybody else kind of goes, yeah, that movie wasn't good. The fact that like on the next album that they released, which was almost like 10 years after this movie, they basically have an entire song about how this movie flopped and almost bankrupted them (laughs) as a band. Oh, Hey, I, I, yeah, I've, I've heard of that too. Um, yeah, you know, that's unfortunate. Right. But, yeah, obviously, you know, Jack Black was fine, because he still had his Hollywood career and everything like that going around. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I I knew what this was. Listen, I try not to prejudge, but I kind of knew what it was when we came in. I knew School of Rock was going to blow this out the water. Oh, yeah. I said... I'll watch this to entertain Brad, you know, because he really <laughs> wants to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, the School of Rock wins. It, it's just, it's just a blowout. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, listen, it, it, it was a, it was an interesting idea, you know. Happy birthday to Jack Black, of course, tremendous talent. You know, Kyle Glass is talented too. You know, he he mm-hmm. held his own against G, JB in this film, and not a lot of actors 
who um, have to go toe-to-toe with Jack can really say that. Oh, yeah. And it needs to be said. I know it's not really shown in this movie, but uh, the musical talent of Kyle Gass is absolutely phenomenal when it mm-hmm. comes to, like, outside of Tenacious D. If you ever want to, like, listen to somebody that has a deep appreciation for music at all, uh, watch Kyle Gass in any interview. He absolutely is one of those people that is just so in tune to music and how it works. He basically is uh, Dewey from School of Rock. You know? Nice. Okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that caps off that, you know, moving into the uh, after show here. All right, man. What you, uh, what you been doing, man? You been watching anything lately? So I have... Finally finished watching Ted Lasso, and okay. it, that show is, I, I, I don't want to spoil it at all. It is probably one of the most wholesome shows I've ever watched in terms okay. of just being so downright wholesome that anytime something bad happens to the characters, you're just like, I want to, you know, hurt the actor that dared hurt the character in this show, you know, that person is dead to me now. I never want to see them in mm. Hollywood again. You know, it's kind of like when you see uh, the little kid in Game of Thrones and you're just like, I hate him. I hate him so much. I hate the actor. Be kind, the oh, person that d- dares do that. <laughs> you do such a great job acting in a role that people hate you in real life. Right. But yeah. the thing is, it when it happens to some characters that are just so utterly wholesome otherwise, you're just like, oh, it's like tenfold hits. And yeah, mm. it's absolutely a fantastic show. And to anybody that's thinking, well, I, I'm not a big soccer person. I, I don't care about it. The soccer I'm, I'm is sure not, not a big deal. Yeah, no, it, it's basically as prominent of a part of the series as, you know, the football league was in the league. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you something. I think football is boring, but Friday Night Lights is a damn good show. Mm hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen I, I've seen part of the movie, but the show is good. If you never watched it, Friday Night Lights is an awesome show. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I can 100 percent endorse it. And I can probably say that the finale of the show or of the series is probably one of my favorite finales of a series. Well, it, question mark, too, right? Because they don't know if they're fully done it. I think this show is fully done, but they left it open-ended for a spinoff to continue. So they can continue doing stuff with like Ted Lasso and everything like that. But it's this show stands. I believe that they're done because I want to say that Jason said that, you know, he, he wanted to step away from the role and everything following this. Mm, I can understand that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it like stands up there with like, you know, finales for shows like Breaking Bad, Barry and everything like that, where it's like it it perfectly closes out the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, OK. Yeah, it's on my list. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, uh, I was going to say to you, oh, did you have anything else you watched? Um, I did see the Gran Turismo movie. Oh, yeah. How was it, man? It it was fine. You know, as far as like a based on true life movie of 
you know, a gamer starting to become like a race car driver. It, I still can't believe that's a true story. <laughs> right. It's uh, it, it hits everything that you expect. Like, I remember when this was actually going on because it was a pretty big deal of like, oh, my God, I can't believe somebody that plays Gran Turismo, at, you know, at their parents house is now driving in one of the biggest races in the world. And yeah, it's it's a fine movie. It's nothing of it's really shocking. I think partially because I already knew the story. Nothing about it really shocked me. It, acting in it is good, but it just was a movie to me. It didn't really have enough to pull me into it more than just going, OK, yeah, it's it's a based on true experience thing. It's not like uh Ford versus Ferrari, where, you know, you're getting into it with these characters and they're going into detail about these races and what it means and everything like that. So I give it like a three point five. OK, OK, yeah, I um man, see, he's one of those directors that now is this the same guy that did District nine? I it was uh, Neil, Neil Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. Yeah, so District 9 is such a great movie. Have you seen District 9? Oh, of course. Yeah, that's such a great movie. I feel like Neil Blomkamp is in his career. Like, that was such a great high point for him. And then um, I heard Elysium is good. I've always wanted to see that. Um, I heard Chappie is fine. But he's never really hit that high point he had with District 9. And I feel like um, a lot of people have held him to that high standard with every film he's done after that. Um, kind of both you know, kind of both unfair and, you know, uh, understandable, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to see the next big, next big thing from him. Yeah. I would say, I don't think anybody was expecting this to be his next big movie. This is basically a passion project for him of just going, he really liked this really? story and everything. I, mm. I assume because otherwise oh, okay. I don't see the guy who did district nine and Elysium, coming in and being like, I want to make a movie about that guy who played video games and then became a race car driver. You know, yeah, it's not I in his it. realm because he does very like sci-fi movies. And then this movie. Okay. Okay. I, I understand. I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah. So dude, recently, uh, what I just watched, man, um, I checked out like the latest, kind of loose trilogy by uh paul schrader i don't know if you know who that is but um he's a well-known director uh well-known screenwriter too he wrote taxi driver and a uh, raging bull uh, okay you know, to a score to a scorsese's uh you know most well-known movies but you know um the thing is you got these three films uh first reform with ethan hawk the car counter with uh Oscar Isaac and Master Gardener with uh, Joel Egerton. They're all three different movies about men who are like, uh, I don't want to say they're very emo, but they're 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 grown men that kind of have dark that have like a dark past. And um, you know, the um, the first film is about a priest played by Ethan Hawke. Second film is about a a, a professional gambler played by Oscar Isaac. Third film was about a gardener played by Joel Egerton. But they all have like very dark past. And uh, they're trying to come to grips with, you know, their past, you know, their spirituality and where they fit in the world. They're very deep movies, but mm -hmm. so well made. Um, I watched all three of them yesterday and they were just all very just 
well done movies dude like uh i would recommend watching any of them they're they're a loose trilogy so you don't have to watch one movie before the other you can okay. watch anyone you like but they they all kind of carry a, a, a similar theme of men who have shoddy past you know trying to like you know wrestle with the men they are today all right do you release them all like simultaneously or oh no no just with time Okay. You know, like first first reform was in 2017. I, I think that that low key might be Ethan Hawke's best performance that he gives in that movie. Uh, Car Counter was in 2021. Master Gardener was in 2022. It just just with time. But he looked at them all as kind of like a loose trilogy. OK. Uh, but yeah, I, I highly recommend them, man. So little little tidbit here. Uh, looks like Dune and uh Many other films, if this strike goes on, are uh, getting pushed back. Yeah, the uh, pushback of films, which I think Dune is a pretty big one because WB put a lot into the marketing of that coming Mm -hmm. out in November. And, you know, it's not like it comes out next month and they're pushing it back. This movie is still a good three months out and they're already pushing it back. Mm -hmm. So... It that kind of shows that they're not expecting the strike to end anytime soon because it's a completed movie. It's not in filming. It's not in post production. It's literally sitting and waiting to be released. It's but done. They can't release it without the actors being able to promote and advertise for it leading up to the release. Now I, I've heard some updates about this because some people like from what I heard from SAG is that they're letting some actors who agreed to promote some films at film festivals because we know film festivals are coming up. Um, mm-hmm. They're letting some of them like promote those movies. They're like, okay, you can go to the film festivals. You know, if if, if, if there's something that like you sign to do that, then go ahead. I think there's some instances be, exceptions being made, but uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I heard like there was a deal that went down with the writers and uh, I think it was Bob Iger from Disney or pretty much the CEOs as a whole that was that was a uh, pulled together that said, listen, uh, let, let's stop. Let's stop it now. Come on, take the deal and let's uh, let's let's just get back to work. Mm-hmm. And the writers looked at them like, are you serious? This isn't like this isn't like some kind of like, oh, we just want attention. Like, no, we want to be paid fairly. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the meeting didn't go well. But it was kind of like, all right, now, come on, let's cut the BS. Let's just let's just get back to work. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I think when it comes to the actors allowed to promote movies, as long as it's not a movie being distributed by one of the, you know, unionized uh, film kind of, mm-hmm. you know, distributors, like if it's not being sent out by Universal or Disney or, you know any of Lionsgate or anything like that, that's where they're getting a little bit of leeway to promote the film because I know a 24 isn't a part of those same negotiations. You know, they, they have actors come in, you know, still a part of the actors guild and everything, but they don't have negotiations set in stone for those employees and everything. It's kind of like on a movie by movie basis. It's not like Disney where you're coming in and here's the deal. No matter you, you have no haggling power unless you're a big name like Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And uh, I was about to say something uh, about that meeting that happened. Um, yeah, so basically that meeting happened that didn't really go well. 
And it kind of reminded me of that BoJack Horseman scene. I think you would get a kick out of this, where uh, all the assistants went on strike. And so they called each assistant into a meeting and went, okay, you know what? You can be director of VP if you just go against your friends. And every one by one, everybody kind of went against the, the whole strike. And mm-hmm. then it ended. Um, I think that's kind of how that meeting went. Like, hey, hey, listen, how about we just slide you this and go like, no, I don't want that. This strike means something. Right. Yeah, I basically kind of heard a little bit about it. They basically just went, look, the past deal we gave you is very good. Why don't you just accept that? And they were just like, no, we're here to renegotiate. And they went, no, no, you just accept our previous deal. It's it's a good deal. Just trust me. Right. And like it's like sales one on one. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but just just take the deal. Right. <laughs> Look, I know you came in here for a fridge, but I think you need a whole new kitchen. <laughs> no, I just need a new fridge. <laughs> right. That's hilarious to me, man. That's pretty funny. Um but yeah, looking at that, man, uh, I think I think we're in it for the long haul here, and for you know for good reasons. And uh, I hope uh, I hope a good agreement is made. Oh, absolutely! I hope eventually, you know the because it's not even like the Screen Actors Guild or the Actors Guild are asking for a lot. They're basically just asking for the same protections that television has for the streaming mm-hmm. market. Unless there's something else in that bill that I'm not seeing or in the request that they're not being straightforward with, which I had to believe if there was something more to it, the you know companies would be coming out and being like, oh, no, they're asking for more than that. But the fact that none of them have come out and trying to twist it and being like, look, we just can't pay what they're asking for instead of going, no, that's not what they're asking for. They're asking for more than that. It tells me that, no, that's exactly what they're asking for. It's just the same equality that television shows have for streaming. And that's where they don't want to give that up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got to say, you know, wherever this leads, I uh, I hope it leads to um, uh, uh, a resolution. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much where we leave it right there. You know, uh, I just want to say, you know, y'all, you know, keep watching movies, you know, and, you know, part of what I did here, if, if, even if there's a movie that, you know, is just not your jam, <laughs> give it a chance, you know, because it, it, it might be what you're looking for. But, uh, yeah, with that, y'all, y'all have a good one. Uh, it's been another episode of DFV. Uh, take care. <laughs>